Amen. Today's scripture comes from the, the letters of the Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 to 16, and then 12, verses 1 to 2. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Now faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we do not see. The elders in the past were approved because they showed faith. By faith we understand that the universe has been created by a word from God, so that the visible came into existence from the invisible. By faith Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain, which showed that he was righteous, since God gave approval to him for his gift. Though he died, he's still speaking through faith. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he didn't see death, and he wasn't found because God took him up. He was given approval for having pleased God before he was taken up. It's impossible to please God without faith, because the one who draws near to God must believe that God exists and that God rewards people who try to find him. By faith, Noah responded with godly fear when he was warned about events he hadn't yet seen. He built an ark to deliver his household. 
With his faith, he criticized the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes from faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. By faith, Abraham lived in the land he had been promised as a stranger. He lived in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were co-heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah received the ability to have a child, though she herself was barren and past the age for having children, because she believed that the one who promised was faithful. So descendants were born from one man, and he was as good as dead. They were as many as the stars of the sky and as countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. All these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but they saw the promises from a distance and welcomed them. They confessed that they were strangers and immigrants on earth. People who say this kind of thing make it clear that they are looking for a homeland. If they had been thinking about the country that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. But at this point in time, they are looking for a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God isn't ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and Holy One, we thank you for being with us in the midst of chaotic times, in the midst of difficult times. We thank you for being with us in the midst of our stress and our distractions. And we thank you for these examples of faith and faithfulness that help us to persevere. Lord, please calm our hearts and our minds this morning as we seek to listen to you through your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, again, good morning, and welcome back to this summer series on the New Testament epistles. I'm, I'm grateful that those, for those of you who have been able to make it through, through the weather or through technological challenges, if you can hear me right now, that is a blessing. Today we get to, to move on from the many letters of the Apostle Paul to consider what others in the early church have had to say about the life of faith, beginning with the book of Hebrews. But before I get to this passage we just read, I want to I want to share an image that came up earlier this week in Bible study on our Book of Revelation study, since it was such a good reminder. I wish everyone could have been there and heard it. This Thursday we were in chapter 5 of the Book of Revelation, where the author of that book is describing a vision he had of worship. There was a vision of God on a, seated on a throne, and there were 24 elders surrounding the throne and bowing down before God and the Lamb of God, who is Christ Jesus. And all of creation then came to join in singing songs of praise and adoration, saying together, Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and power. 
all things in heaven and on earth were putting God at the center of their being. And there was joy, incredible unending joy in worship. Well, this, this image in Revelation is meant to be a vision about what happens when we worship here as well. It might not look like it, but this is, this is, this is the deeper reality. This is what is going on behind the scenes. To neighbors maybe passing by on a Sunday morning, it might appear as though we Christians are just a small, eclectic group of people gathered to read somewhat out-of-date text that, like some kind of classical book club. They see us singing old songs, perhaps somewhat meekly or out of tune. This season with failing technology and inclement weather. From the outside, it looks crazy and not particularly impressive. They probably think it's just strange or perhaps quaint. And yet for those who believe, worship is something different entirely. For those who have confidence in this vision of what's going on behind the scenes, worship becomes a portal to a whole different world. And the things we do here then have cosmic significance. We ourselves become re-centered on the God of all creation. In worshiping the Lamb of God, we are reoriented towards that which is right and good and just. And this worship changes not just us, but all the things around us. All of creation, as all things join together with us in praising God's holy name, there is joy, incredible joy, for those who believe. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Even today? Is that what happens for you in worship? If so, then God bless you. You have a gift. And you are a gift to the wider church. But if visions like this one still feel like a bit of a stretch, then if, if maybe you're not entirely convinced, then I hope you don't feel too bad about it because you also are in good company. You are not alone. The reality also is that even the confidence of the faithful tends to wax and wane over time. It comes and goes. And faith itself is also a bit complicated. It's not just a matter of having it or not having it. We're not even always clear on what faith is or what it means, which is why there's so much devoted to it in this letter to the Hebrews. For instance, confidence Confidence and conviction is one form of faith. But it's not the only one. We also sometimes use the word belief interchangeably with faith, as in, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is what people sometimes mean by having faith. But again, that's not all of it. Others have pointed out that in order to believe a vision like this, we have to trust the person who is telling us about it. So faith is also akin to trust. It's a form of trust. Faith in God is trusting God, particularly trusting in God's goodness, even when God seems to be saying things that are strange or challenging or perhaps hard to believe. That is also faith. 
And others still have pointed out that faith seems to imply more than even just trust. Since it's connected to faithfulness or loyalty as well. In Scripture, there's a sense in which faith is more of an action. It's something you do because you trust someone or you believe what they have said. Or maybe you go along with it simply because you are committed to that person. For instance, Martin Luther King Jr. once said that faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. God says go up, and so we go up. It's taking a step. It's making an action. Not just an intellectual or emotional orientation. There's also risk involved. Another way of putting it is that faith is putting your weight down on the promises of God. To have faith is to have the ability to act faithfully. It reminds me of that scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, if you've seen that movie, where they had to, they had to cross a deep canyon by stepping out onto an invisible bridge. The first step into the unknown was the classic leap of faith. That's what they were calling it. And I liked how Harrison Ford closed his eyes for dramatic effect. Once they took that first scary step onto the invisible bridge, though, the rest of it was easier to see. There would be more steps to take, more bridges to cross, but once they were on the path, it got easier to see the way forward. Faith builds upon itself like that. And that's another reason why faith is a topic that's so central to this book of Hebrews. The letter was written to encourage the church to cultivate more faith. To learn to live by faith from day to day. To persevere in it by keeping Christ Jesus at the center of everything that we do. That's also what we're about here on Sunday mornings. The reason that we're so committed to it. So in chapter 11, the author of Hebrews gives illustrations of faith with figures from the Old Testament to show us what this faith looks like. Lived. People like Noah and Abraham and Sarah. These were people of faith who others must have thought were crazy. Irrational or delusional. You know, our kind of people. Hopefully you remember their stories. You know, Noah was a guy who built a boat in the middle of the desert, an act that must have seemed strange to his neighbors. Abraham and Sarah were a, an elderly, childless couple who became nomads in their old age because they were convinced that this was the ticket to a very geriatric pregnancy. That was a bit strange also, a bit different. There was something countercultural about each one of these people of faith. They were a bit out of step with the societies around them. They saw things differently. It's like they lived in a different world. And the book of Hebrews then says that these faithful people, they felt like immigrants and strangers on earth. They were actually longing for a different country, a better country, a heavenly one. And they sought that, that new place that new world in God. That's what constituted their faith. Have you ever felt that way? 
It's interesting to me that the other people mentioned here in this passage, Abel, Enoch, they're less well known today because they don't seem to have really gone anywhere or done anything significant in the biblical story. And yet, yet they too were said to have sought a different world just by walking in God's ways on a daily basis in the ordinary times of life. So it looks to me as though faith, it's also simply about seeking God's kingdom. The world where Christ reigns on high. Faith means living into this this kingdom, putting our weight down on the promises of it, even when it's hard to see. And isn't that also what we're doing here in worship as we grow together in radical kinship? Aren't we also seeking a new and better world, the one that was inaugurated by Jesus? If that's the case, then according to the book of Hebrews, we also are approved by God. We too are heirs of this kingdom. People of deep and effective faith. Every bit as much as those famous figures. No matter what it is that we see or don't see in worship. Meanwhile, I've also been thinking a lot about faith in relation to interfaith dialogue this summer. This is partly because of our Book of Joy group, uh, which has been a lot of fun meeting on Tuesdays. The Book of Joy is a conversation between a Christian, a Buddhist, and a Jew, which sounds like a joke but isn't. And the three of them are building, building on connections between their different faith traditions. And this, this interfaith conversation itself often makes me think about a, uh, a Jewish rabbi named David I used to work with. He would frown whenever people use language like this, language about faith. He would tell people that the word faith is a Christian thing. Jews aren't about faith, he would say. We Jews are about righteousness, justice, laws, action, tikkun olam, the repair of the world. It's not a faith, it's a religion, he would tell people. Sometimes he'd also call it a civilization. So out of respect for my friend, I sometimes try to use the word interreligious dialogue instead, rather than interfaith, even though though I noticed this month in the Book of Joy that these other faith leaders do talk about faith. Even the Dalai Lama who is part of a non-theistic religion, meaning he doesn't believe in God. The Dalai Lama and many Jews also use the word faith. And it seems to me in reading this book that the Dalai Lama also is trying to live into a new and better world. Like Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah. We may not agree on every aspect of what that new world will look like or how we will get there, But we can at least say that joy is a part of it. God wants human beings to be filled with joy. And the three people in this book of joy, they all agree. When it comes to roadblocks to a better world, the problem isn't with faiths, plural. It's with the faithful. Because if people of faith like us simply put our faith into action, then we will participate in the repair of the world 
that Rabbi David longs for, as well as the end of suffering that Buddhists around the world long for. So if faith for us means seeking God's kingdom and its righteousness in God, that's how faith becomes, as this book of Hebrews puts it, the reality of the hope of what we hope for, the proof of what we do not see. That's another reason why at the end of the day I'm not too concerned if we, all have, if we don't all have visions of angels or thrones or when we're gathered for worship together on Sundays. Seeing things that are unseen, belief in the impossible, these are good gifts to be prayed for. But as long as we are seeking a better world the way that our ancestors of faith did, and we are here because on some level we trust that Jesus is leading us into it, one step at a time. If we are putting God at the center of our worship, regardless of what's going on all around us, then we also are people of great and effective faith. This is already true. And as we grow in greater faithfulness, we too will be filled with joy. This is the promise that God still has for us. Perhaps eventually we'll even be, be able to see those animals and angels joining with us in worship, singing to the glory of God. This is why the book of Hebrews encourages the church to keep at it, to keep following Jesus into that better country, the better world of the kingdom of God. We've already taken the first step, so now we have to just keep running the race that has been marked out for us. And because of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we already have a sense of what this looks like. We can see further up the staircase. We know that we are called to welcome strangers, to love one another, to treat prisoners like family, to learn how to be content with what we have in all circumstances. These are not things that happen naturally in our world. So doing them does take faith. It takes trust in God's promises. It takes a willingness to be different, to be countercultural, to risk embarrassment or scorn the way that our forebears did. So I invite you on this chaotic Sunday morning to reflect on what God may be calling you to, to do, to be, or to change this week as one more act of faith. You who have already taken the first step by simply taking time for worship. You who have already been given the gift of faith so that you can see far enough ahead to take the next step. How is God calling you personally to seek a new and better world. What might need to be different in order for God's kingdom to come? In order for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? As you consider your particular leap of faith, again I say to you, as was first written to the Hebrews so long ago, continue to look to Jesus, who for the sake of the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, 
disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. To him who is able to keep you from falling, and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen? Amen.